question. What is peace? In this season, what is, what is your source of peace? How important is peace to you? What, what brings you peace? But an interesting story this week about a particular sale on eBay. Australian Ian Usher is so disappointed with his current life that he is selling it in an eBay auction. He decided on the auction in an effort to rid himself of all memories of life with his ex-wife. He expects to make at least $390,000 in a sale that will include a furnished three-bedroom house, a car, a motorcycle, and a jet ski. He's even throwing in a one-time introduction to all of his friends and a two-week trial run at becoming a permanent employee in the place where he works. Both his friends and his employer have agreed to the terms of the auction. On the day it's all sold, he says, I intend to walk out of my front door with my, walk it, with my wallet in my pocket and my passport in the other hand, nothing else at all. His plans for his life include a short visit to his mother before heading to the airport to figure out a new place to call home. I'll see where life takes me from there. It's time to shed the old and in with the new, he says. Peace. At what cost? Peace. Peace means different things to different people. But I think for everyone there is that sense at, at the root of it all, there is a sense of serenity, a lack of chaos, noise. Conflict environments. Definitions of peace, if you were to look them up, the normal, non-warring condition of a nation, group of nations, or the world. It's an agreement or a treaty between warring or antagonistic nations, groups, to end hostilities and abstain from further fighting or antagonism. It's a state of mutual harmony between people or groups, especially in personal relations, trying to, for example, live in peace with your neighbors, the normal freedom from civil commotion and violence of a community, public order and security, cessation of or freedom from any strife or dissension, freedom of the mind from annoyance, distraction, anxiety, a state of tranquility or serenity. Peace is the third of our four traditional Advent themes in this season. Similar to the first two, hope and joy, I think that there is a longing for peace that is somehow woven into the fabric of what it means to be human beings living in a fallen world. It is a longing that I think is residual. To hang over from our lost garden experience. It is 
in each of us, we, we have this sense that it's what we were created to have. Can't we just all get along? Isn't that what we were made for? In fact, peace is so significant to the human experience that it was the theme of the angelic choir in the Christmas story, Luke 2. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. I can't help but wonder what the shepherds thought when they heard that. Peace on earth. Oh, good. Finally, God is going to do something about those filthy, stinking Romans who tax us all the time, force us to pay homage to their gods and their government. Oh, good. Now my wife will stop nagging me about finding a better job. I like these sheep. Finally, a little peace. Oh, wonderful. My kids are going to quit bickering and and fighting. Peace on earth. The shepherds were like us. And that they would have immediately, I think, relegated the idea of peace to daily circumstances, life's daily situations that are so often anything but peace-filled. But the very night and the events and the circumstances of that night, I think, just beg the question, what kind of peace are the angels singing about? Well, you know, it's it's the, the peace and the quiet that we know of Jesus in the manger, not crying because little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. With Mary and Joseph, the innkeeper and the animals just sort of looking on adoringly at this newborn baby, silent night, holy night. That's peace, right? The absence of violence and noise and stress and chaos for us getting our shopping done early People getting along. Christmas is a time for peace. Newsflash. Jesus didn't come to bring that kind of peace. Jesus didn't come to bring peace to our circumstances. Jesus didn't come to change those things in our environment that cause us Lack of peace that disturb and disquiet us. I sometimes think that that whole night has sort of taken on mythical proportions, if you will. That night, that peaceful, that holy night, it may have been holy, but it was anything but peaceful. started with the explosion on the hillside to the shepherds. Things were peaceful until that choir showed up. (laughs) Then there's Mary. Mary in labor with no place to go to have a baby. Oh, that's peaceful. Then there's Joseph, stressed because she was his responsibility. And maybe he's still having doubts about the whole story. He's running around to the neighbors trying to figure out what he needs to help this woman have a baby. He doesn't even know what they are. 
She's 14-year-old, maybe 15-year-old child giving birth to a child. Likely scared to death. Her mother's not there. Maybe there was a midwife around. We don't know. And the neighbors that Joseph didn't already wake up looking for what he needed. Well, by the time that Mary was done pushing and crying her way through this experience, the neighbors were awake. And probably the animals were too. And the city, by the way, is overflowing with people because it's census time in the Roman Empire. Strangers are there. The shepherds are all there. You get the picture? This is not a peaceful night. Little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Really? Ever met a baby that didn't cry? But he was God. And he was human. Well, I hope that I hope that it hasn't ruined the uh, the birth night in your mind. That scene of peace and tranquility. And maybe it wasn't this way, but I'm suspicious that it probably was. And then, story continues. Not long after his birth, he and his parents fled to Egypt because King Herod was trying to kill him. And oh, by the way, the king slaughtered countless numbers of male infants and toddlers in an effort to do so. Peace? I don't think so. How about Jesus' life? He grew up and he led a life where a lot of people hated him because he lived and he taught contrary to the status quo of his day. Not really. Seems that he always hung out with the wrong crowd. Prostitutes, thieves, lepers. He's always stirring up the authorities because of the way that he lived and because of what he taught. Peace? They killed him. But he rose from the dead told his followers to go into the world and and teach people about him. And then he left the earth. And then 10 or 11 of the original 12 were, were killed because they were followers of this Jesus, killed by people who hated Jesus and hated them. And millions since then, violent deaths because they are followers of Jesus. No peace. No peace anywhere. Have you noticed that we live in a world that doesn't know much peace? So, what do we do? Were the angels lying? Hard to imagine anything worse than a lying angel. (laughs) Where is this, this peace on earth? They announced. Peace on earth, the angels said. To men, to women, the children on whom the favor of God rests. Not peace on earth. Peace on earth. 
those who live on the earth. And specifically to those upon whom the favor or the pleasure or the blessing of God rests. Who are those people? Who are those folks who get this prize that we all seem to long for? Seems to me that's an important question for us to answer. I want us to stand and read our third non-traditional Advent theme for this season. Taken from Romans chapter 5. It's the first five verses. A little bit of context for you. Paul has just been writing this letter to the Christians in Rome, by the way, for whom there was very little peace in their lives. Christians were the vast minority in Rome. They were hated. They were chased. They were persecuted by the Roman Empire. And Paul has spent time in chapter 4 just just exploding the truth of this amazing salvation that comes through Jesus. The salvation that comes by faith to those who believe. Paul says, there is nothing to do but believe that God has done this for you. And, and oh, by the way, it's not just for the Jews, Paul says. It's, it's for everyone who believes. It's for you at Rome. It's for us at Applewood. Let's, let's read these verses together. Therefore... Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. (coughs) Produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Did you hear that? Did you hear those words about peace? Oh, yeah, you read them, but did you hear them? Thank you, Zach. Paul talks about peace and says that there are those who can have peace specifically with God. Now, just be patient with me here and accommodate me here. And ask your neighbor this question. Who are those who have peace with God? I know it's a no-brainer. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the no-brainers. Ask your neighbor. Who are those who have peace with God? Paul just said it.
Okay. Here we go. The obvious answer, right? Come on. Who are those who have peace with God? Who? Who's we? Believers in Christ. Paul says, since we have been justified in Christ, we have peace with God. Justified, that that legal term that that talks about a, a, a transaction that has has made someone free, has set someone free, has taken someone who is guilty and the price has been paid for that person's guilt. The penalty has has been waived on behalf of that individual because someone else has taken that penalty upon them. Since we have been just thank you, Lee. Since we have been justified through faith, through believing, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ have peace with God. Paul would say, those who haven't put their faith in Jesus don't have peace with God. Approximately five, maybe six hundred years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah spoke of his life and his death. And he said, the punishment that brought us peace, the payment for sin that brought us peace was put upon him, put upon Jesus. Now, when Isaiah spoke those words, he would have used the Hebrew word shalom. It's a word that, that really has very little to do with the circumstances around me. But it has everything to do with what's going on in my life as a response to the circumstances around me. Shalom means that chaos can be reigning in your life. (laughs) And most often it is, isn't it? And yet, shalom means that that all is well with my soul. All is well in my life, regardless of what is erupting around me, regardless of the problems. Shalom has to do with my head and my heart, responses to the circumstances of my life, and it carries with it that sense of, of wholeness, and healing and well-being. Remember in 1 Peter chapter 3, when, when speaking about Christ's death, Peter said, by his stripes we have been healed. It is through the suffering and the death of Jesus that those who put their faith in him as Savior find healing and wholeness and well-being. And the word that Paul uses here And the Greek is a word that often refers to harmonious relationships. Begin to understand the connection. The person 
who has shalom in their life, person who has received peace from God, is a person who can be a peacemaker in their relationships. They are a person who offers peace to others because God has offered them peace. The peace that Jesus brought had nothing to do with the circumstances and the things that you and I so often want relief from. Those are small change, my friends. Those are insignificant in comparison to the thing that we really need relief from, and that is the burden of sin and a broken relationship with the God for whom we were created to have a relationship with, to live with God for eternity. We are, we are eternal creatures created to live with God for eternity, and that cannot happen for anyone apart from faith. In Jesus, faith in his death and his resurrection, faith that cleanses us from the sin that separates us from God, puts us in a place of of non-peace. I love what what Michael Horton, he's a professor of theology at Westminster, says about this. He says the gospel, the gospel is not good instructions. Gospel is not a good idea. The gospel is not even good advice. The gospel is an announcement of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus has made peace possible between a holy God and a sinful humanity. Those that the angel referred to, those upon whom God's favor rests, are those who by faith Accept the olive branch of peace that God has extended to them through the death of His Son. <laughs> it's such amazing language. The language of, of hostility and, and warfare that Paul and, and Peter used to describe the, the broken relationship between humanity and, and God. And yet... What does, what does God do? Not only does He extend the olive branch of peace to those who have sinned against Him, forgives them in Christ Jesus, and then says, run along now, have a good life. He adopts them into His family. He makes them His children. How many times have we seen that amazing truth from from Romans chapter 8. We have received a spirit of adoption. It's not a spirit of fear. We no longer have to go through our lives with that, that residual sense of, can't we just all get along? Because now suddenly, the most fundamental relationship, that, that basis of need that lies in the heart of every human being has been healed. It has been resolved. Suddenly, lost humanity can become intimate again with the God who created 
them for himself. His adopted children. This, this, my friends, this is being showed favor in a big, big way. That probably warrants an amen. Maybe even a yahoo. Whoa, careful. Don't get carried away here. Don't get too excited. We know, don't we, that the gospel means good news. That's, that's the translation of the word. We talk about the good news of Jesus, don't we? Do we really understand just how good the news is? Brothers and sisters, when, when we have peace with God, peace that, that shows itself in, in, a, in a harmonious relationship of love and care, there is really nothing else that is important compared to that. Did you notice in our text here how Paul refers to faith and ties it to hope and, and to joy? We've, we've said in the last couple of Sundays that, that, that somehow these are all linked. I'm not sure you can really have one without the other. Paul says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Oh, there's a statement. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice. There's joy. The root of rejoicing is that sense, that spirit of joy. And we rejoice in what? In the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Haven't we talked about that? How, how joy can sometimes be dampened in the face of suffering unless we understand that there's purpose That there is reason that that God is orchestrating the events of our lives. And we know, he says, that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character produces even more hope. Hope does not disappoint us. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. I want to leave you this morning with a couple of thoughts. And you know these thoughts. The first is this. In this season, this Advent season of of the celebration of peace, the lifting up of, of the idea of peace, we as God's people need to be very clear about the peace that the angels announced. It is, not, it is not peace on the earth. It is peace to the inhabitants who live on the earth. And I would say this truth. That peace on earth is not God's responsibility. I don't know if that strikes you as weird or not. Peace on earth is not God's responsibility. Peace upon the inhabitants of the earth is indeed where God is at work. Is indeed where God is bringing life and hope through the suffering and the death and the resurrection of His Son. Peace on earth, a nicer place, a more pleasant place, 
an easier place to live. It's not God's responsibility. However, truth number two, peace on earth is our responsibility. Peace on earth and the desire to see people living in right relationship with God and with one another is appropriate to those who have received peace from God. Does that make sense? That our longing, that our desire would be to see those who don't have peace to know the peace that we do in Jesus. Remember the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers. What will they be called? Children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, the construct of that language there doesn't mean, okay, if I am a peacemaker, then I will earn the title of child of God. It's not what it says. It's language of identification. It's language of being known. It's blessed are the peacemakers because they will be recognized as the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemaking is the activity of the children of God. Because peacemaking is the primary activity of their father. Peacemaking through his son, Jesus, extending the olive branch to those who didn't deserve it. You got people in your life who don't deserve your love and your attention and your peace and your care and your consideration. And how long is your list? We need to be busy about the activity of extending peace to others. Because God has extended peace to us. Peace on earth. It's a nice idea. It's not God's responsibility. It's ours. It's responsibility of those who have been granted peace in the most fundamental relationship to all of humanity. So that we then respond to the peace that God has given us. Not holding our sins against us. We offer peace to those in our lives. And there are those who are easy to offer peace to and those that aren't so easy to offer peace to. We offer peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a child of God. She's a child of God. That's why she acts that way. What a compliment. What an observation. To be identified as the children of God because we have sought to embody in ourselves the activity of God.